but but you get you get Jehovah because in 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 the Hebrew scriptures when it says Yod Hey Vav Hey, the vowel markers are not for that. The vowel markers are for the word Adonai to signal the reader to say Adonai instead of try to pronounce Yod Hey Vav Hey because no one knows how to actually pronounce those sounds together because they they are all breath sounds. So if you actually say them, it's it's like breath, you know, and and God is the breath of life. Yes, yes. So so um, you know because of not knowing the vowels intended to be part of God's name. There, I think I heard there are over like a thousand different ways that you could pronounce those four letters with a variation of vowel sounds, mm-hmm. and one of them is blasphemous, at least, you know, or is a curse or something. And oh, so, really? yeah, so so that's why um, that's why Jewish people don't ever pronounce the name of God. Um, Except for like to say Elohim. Right. Well, because yeah. Elohim is is one of the names you know God is spoken of. As Elohim, okay. which is a plural word, okay. Okay. Um, Adonai, you know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, what does Elohim mean? Elohim? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just a variation of verb Elohim. trans. Yeah, a different, different variation on Elohim, and um, but so the so the vowel markers are not there to tell you how to pronounce Yod Hey Vav Hey. They're there to tell you how to pronounce Adonai. They're they're like a right. Hey Hey say Adonai instead. Um, but when you put those vowel markers with the Latin translations of yod heh vav heh, you get Jehovah. Oh, that's, that's where that comes from. So, um, you know, so that, so yeah, so yod. Um, just a little background about the book of Job. Um, the Jewish traditions are that, you know, a couple of Jewish traditions are, one, it was not until Job died, because Job was, uh, Job lived in, in the land of Canaan. He, he was a Canaanite who uh, had come to believe in God. And uh, one, one teaching is that the reason it took so long for God to bring the Israelites back from Egypt is that he was not going to drive everyone out of the land until Job died. That Job, that that the righteousness of Job sustained Canaan, and when he died, then God set about clearing everyone else out. Okay, so Job was before Egypt, you know, in the time. Yeah, he yeah he probably knew um, Abraham. And that's how he came, would have, I mean, the, the understanding is that's how he came to his faith, is, is through being a neighbor of Abraham, um, or encountering, excuse me, him. And, um, Wait, okay, so. So he was, yeah, he was a peer of Abraham. Okay, So, yeah, yeah, because it was his, his children, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, or not a, maybe not a peer of Abraham. He was a peer of, like, he, he lived there when they didn't. He accepted the faith. And, um, yeah, so, I, and I, I, it's been a while since I even looked at the tradition to remember all the details. Because it's, it's not, obviously, it's extra biblical. Yeah. But clearly, we have a Canaanite here who has a great love for God. So, <laughs> somehow, that happened, you know. 
Um, but what what came from study of of him, and you uh, you run into this with Ramkal uh, in the Middle Ages. This this and. And some of his stuff was new, but some of his stuff was also summary of the writings of the ancient rabbis. And, and from, from studying Job became this teaching that one of the purposes and one of the, the ways that the righteous serve their community. Can we turn the air down a little bit? No, they're really cold. Turn it down a little bit. I don't, know. I don't know what it's at, so I don't know what to tell you to turn it down to. Um, but I know she's over there. <laughs> Something I didn't ever think I'd say in, a, you know, in, in Phoenix before November. Um, but, the, but the idea is that the righteous are able to endure more suffering without cursing God than the unrighteous. And so one purpose that the righteous serve is that there is a portion of will you go tell him to take that paper, please? And leave it there and come back. Um, that that there is a certain amount of hardship and suffering that is that is judged to be meted out in a particular area, in a particular community, in a particular time. And and the presence of a righteous person there will cause it to be drawn to them. Oh. They, yeah, they take it away from those who would curse God if they suffered it. Oh, wow. And that that's one of the ways the righteous serve their community. And, you know, is, is that accurate? I, I, don't I don't know, but I'll tell you what, it made some of the suffering that I've gone through yeah, a lot more, a lot more bearable. Yes, yes. A lot more bearable. And I said I did it because I knew it. It's an right, right. And it's, and it's not like, it's, for the most part, it's not a willing thing. It's just a willingness to be used by God however he chooses. And that the that this ha- it happening means that God knew you could handle it over others. Um, from that it's extrapolated out and 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 it is put forth um, by Ram Cal that it is possible then that there could be one who is so righteous that he could take upon himself the sins and the suffering of all mankind for all time and remove that from them. Um, which, you know, he was devoutly Jewish, but it, it allows for the suffering Messiah that, that we've, you know, that we understand Yeshua to be. So, um, there are some beautiful things that come from Job. There's also, and, and I'm going to point this out at the beginning, and then we'll talk about it as we get to it. Very, very, very often the people who come to you in your hour of need are more like the friends of Job than actual friends. <laughs> and and it has been very interesting. Can you have him mute or unplug the sound? No. That's what that is. Um, yeah, sensitive ears. I really do. And I'm on edge because there was a lot of... Yeah. Um, and mostly I don't want to burn out their speakers. <laughs> but there's... there's. Um, <laughs> she can hold your drink and make it cold. Um, but there's... The things that people come and say to you when you're suffering 
are more often the things that Job's friends said that God told them, you are so wrong. Mm -hmm. And, And people think that they're helping and they think that they're comforting and they think that they're bringing good theology. But if if it's more like Job's friends than than Yeshua, it's not. And and what's interesting is as we go through this, you'll see that there are I mean there are doctrinal teachings that are are very devoutly held to by lots of people and even denominations that are straight out of the mouth of Job's friends. Wow. That's what happened to me when I was sick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So starting in Job one. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the children of the East. Okay, he is wealthy. He is very, very wealthy. His sons went and held a feast in the house of each one on his birthday. And they sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And what it was so when the days of their feasting had run their course that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and renounced God in their hearts. Job did so continually. Okay, so this is where some groups get their teaching that it is ungodly to celebrate birthdays. Yeah. And and there are, there are some messianic groups that... Yeah. that and. And I read this and I go, I don't see it, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, your birthday parties don't have to be pagan celebrations. I mean, they don't have to involve drunken drunken orgies. There's no reason that that should be part of a celebration. Um, But I'm ignoring it, Gene. We should all ignore it. Did you see what he did? I said that, and he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he thinks he's funny. (laughs) I am a boy. So, you know, but and and they were drinking, and it doesn't even say that you know they it was they were sinning and doing that, but he's he's saying it may be that they have done some sin. So I am going. To, to offer sacrificings on their behalf. You know, so, so it's really more that he's an intentionally righteous man, very aware that he is living in a pagan world. And, and he is very careful um, to, to be on guard, you know, and, and sanctifying them and, and offering sacrifices on their behalf, prayerfully, hopefully, intending that they would not fall into wickedness. So is this where they said where he opened up the door for the enemy because he had doubt? That's what I heard. Yeah, see, that's another thing that I go, yeah. I don't know why it wasn't just recording. So, um, so then verse 6. Now on the day when God's sons came to present themselves before the Lord, 
Satan also came among them. Now, this is, this is a picture of a judgment day when in the court of heaven. Okay, and, and just like Yom Kippur is a day of judgment, there are other days of judgment throughout the year for different things and for countries, for different peoples. Um, the, and in fact, one of the, the ways that Sukkot is, is celebrated is that the offerings are on behalf of the nations. You know, and that's why in Ezekiel you get at that final battle, um, whoever does not come up, whatever country, whatever people group does not come up to offer sacrifices during Sukkot, they don't get rain. They, you know, the provision doesn't flow from Jerusalem to them. Um, so, so this is, this is a, a, you know, God is holding court in the heavenlies. Um, you know, the gods of the different nations, they do have gods over them, little G gods. Mm -hmm. they are, there are angels and there are spiritual beings who are repeatedly shown of being in charge of a particular area. Are you know? God-ordained? It well, it is, it is understood in Jewish custom that it is God-ordained, that God has put them in charge okay. of that nation, and they answer to God. Okay. Very often the people will worship that God instead of... God. Um, and, and that has limited help, obviously, because it's, it's a servant. Right, right. Um, so, but they come and they, they, there's this picture that they give reports on, on the things that are happening in their area, and they're given the judgments to carry out in the coming year. You know, so, yeah, so, so there is this, there's definitely this picture of God orchestrating, you know, the whole, all of the heavenlies and all of the spiritual realm. Um, now, on the day when God's sons came to present themselves before the Lord, Hasetan also came among them. And so people will go, there's, Satan doesn't even appear in the Old Testament. Have you never read Job? Now, <laughs> the Satan that a lot of churches describe and talk about does not appear in the Old Testament. But Hasetan, the accuser, mm -hmm. who stands before God and calls people out on their sins, very definitely there appears. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going back and forth in the earth and from walking up and down it. Now, this is, this is the part that if people who haven't read Job are often thrown by this. Because in verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. So everything that's about to happen to Job comes from God bragging on him. God is proud of him. God is commending him and telling, telling the accuser, have you seen Job? Can't accuse him of anything. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you made a hedge around him and around his house and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land, but stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has and he will renounce you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only on himself don't stretch out your hand. So, so Satan's like, of course he, of course he fears you. You've given him everything. There's, there, nobody's allowed to come against him. There's no, one, there's no reason for him to question you or doubt your character. And the Lord says, go for it. Just don't touch him. Well, at this point, don't even touch him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. It fell on a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. 
that there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them away. Yes, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now. While he was still speaking, there also came another and said, The fire of God has fallen from the sky and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, there came also another and said, The Kazdim made three bands and swept down on the camels and have taken them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, there came also another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young men, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the Lord's name. In all this, Job didn't sin nor charge God with wrongdoing. So Job 2. Again, on the day when, the, when God's sons came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? So this is another judgment day. Okay, so this has all happened And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going back and forth in the earth and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. He still maintains his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will renounce you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful sores from the sole of his foot to his head. He took for himself a potsherd to scrape himself with, and he sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still maintain your integrity? Renounce God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? So so in other words, he's saying, So when good comes, you're fine with me worshiping God. But when things are bad, when times get tough, you think I should abandon him. Um, And this is also not saying, as some would have it, that, that all women are foolish. Because obviously she's not been speaking like a foolish woman up to this point. Basically he's saying, you're speaking foolishness, woman. Yeah. That's what he's saying. You know, he's not saying, oh, you sound like a fool. one, of, one of all the foolish women. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're being foolish. This, you're speaking foolishly. In all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come on him, and this is the kind of evil, when it talks in the Lord's Prayer, it says, deliver us from evil, Mm -hmm. lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, This is the, the very Jewish idea of evil, not as you doing something sinful and wrong, but as something bad happening. 
okay, something, you know, something awful has happened to you. Um, and, and so they, they heard that all the, all of this horrible stuff had happened to them. And, and that's part of why, why I believe that, you know, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, is what gave man, because man was, was supposed to learn and live what God said was good and evil, you know, was good for you, was bad for you. But eating from that tree allowed man to set his own standard of good and evil. And our standard of good and evil is always evil in that it is not aligned with God's standard of good and evil. And so it's not evil, you know, like we, we've added a whole bunch of baggage to the idea of evil. That it's, and that's where, you know, we get our you know, pointy-headed, pitchfork-waving right. Satan, you know, punishing the evil people. Well, evil meaning not in line with God's word. You know, and, and God says, if you're righteous, these blessings will come on you. So this idea that if you're suffering, I mean, it's, it's logical. If you're suffering, clearly you've done something wrong. But that's not the case. <laughs> you know, God doesn't say, if you do righteous, you will never suffer. It's just that's, that is how blessings come poured out on you. You know, and even in all the prophecies, when he's talking to the remnant, they still are going through these things. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll preserve you. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. But it doesn't mean someone's not going to come burn your house down. I mean, it's it's not like you get to live it's in this silly. happy, happy, skip, skip. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing ever touches me. You know, it's it's not, it's not, that's like delusional. It's like right. the, there's life is hard, you know. And, and so they hear about all of this horrible stuff that's happened to him. They each come from his own place. And, and now we have our cast of characters. Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the, the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and to comfort with him. So they said, oh, listen to what's happened to Job. Have you heard what's fallen on Job? Let's go together on this day and, and we will comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes from a distance and didn't recognize him, they raised their voices and wept, and they each tore his robe and sprinkled dust on their heads toward the sky. Okay, now, they recognized him in the sense that they went, hey, that's Job. Mm -hmm. But he had so changed because of the affliction of his flesh that it was that I hardly recognized you. Oh my goodness, what has happened? And to the level that they're tearing their robes and weeping, they think he's dying. Yeah. And they're terrified and they're, they're horrified. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Job answered, Let the day perish in which I was born, the night which said there is a boy conceived. Let that day be darkness. Don't let God from above seek for it, neither let the light shine on it. Let darkness and the shadow of death claim it for their own. Let a cloud dwell on it. Let all that makes black the day terrify it. As for that night, let thick darkness seize on it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the years. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful voice come therein. 
Let them curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its twilight be dark. Let it look for light but have none. Neither let it see the eyelids of the morning, because it didn't shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor did it hide trouble from my eyes. Why didn't I die from the womb? Why didn't I give up the spirit when my mother bore me? Why did the knees receive me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For now should I have lain down and been quiet. I should have slept, then I would have been at rest, with kings and counselors of the earth, who built up waste places for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, or as a hidden, untimely birth I had not been, as infants who never saw light. There the wicked cease from troubling, there the weary are at rest. So he's saying, I would have been as rich as a prince. I would have been like a king who had everything if I had just died the day I was born and not lived to go through this. There the prisoners are at ease together. They don't hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there. The servant is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery? Life to the bitter in soul, who long for death, but it doesn't come, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who receive exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden from God has, or whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes before I eat. My groanings are poured out like water. For the thing which I fear comes on me, that which I am afraid of comes to me. I am not at ease, neither am I quiet, neither have I rest, but trouble comes. Chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered, If someone ventures to talk with you, will you be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? You know, so, so here's the, the all. Are you open to some advice? You know, I'm sorry, I just have to say it. And that, that's what he's saying here, you know. I love how awkward it sounds in the translation from the, you know. In, it's, he's saying, I just, I have to speak up. I have to say something. He says, behold, you have instructed many. You have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have supported him who was falling. You have made firm the feeble knees. But now it has come to you, and you faint. It touches you, and you are troubled. Isn't your piety your confidence? Isn't the integrity of your ways your hope? Remember now whoever perished being innocent? Or where were the upright cut off? So he's saying, you know, you, you've encouraged so many people. You've caused so many people to turn away from their evil ways. You have strengthened so many people. You have encouraged them. You have challenged them. You have held them accountable. You have taught them. So going by what you've taught us, meaning that the righteous get blessings and the unrighteous have consequences that are not pleasant, so, do you know anyone who's ever been innocent and, and died for it? Or who's been upright and cut off? According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Life is full of consequences. By the breath of God they perish. By the blast of his anger are they consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey. The cubs of the lioness are scattered abroad. 
Now a thing was secretly brought to me, my ear received a whisper of it, and thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Fear came on me and trembling which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I couldn't discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. Silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he puts no trust in his servants. He charges his angels with error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth. Between morning and evening they are destroyed. They perish forever without any regarding it. Isn't their tent cord plucked up within them? They die, and that without wisdom. Well, gee, bring your chipperness and come cheer me up. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Because he's saying... You know, he's, there's kind of a double message in all of this. There's the, listen, based on everything you've said, if you really are righteous, this shouldn't be happening to you. But, you know, I, I've heard whisper and I've heard some, you know, just I had a vision and I just have to tell you. And it was saying, you know, God does things just all willy-nilly because of the things he does. And he sends his angels out with, with charges that they shouldn't be doing. And, you know, and he's, he's very much challenging both, you know, he, he's kind of saying, based on your teaching, this has to mean that you're unrighteous. And then he's saying, but there's another teaching that I'm thinking maybe has some application here, which is that God is random and it doesn't really matter and you can never please God and God doesn't really care about men. So I'm just throwing that out there for consideration, you know. I don't know, your version of God shouldn't seem to be working out this way. This other idea might apply more. And... You know, and and now we go, oh, this is, I believe, where the phrase, with friends like that, who needs any enemies, comes in. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I put in here for today because, um, you know, I didn't didn't know how long it would take us to go through those because Job Job is just interesting. And sometimes Job brings up things for people and it, you know, you hear the unjust suffering and the the discussions between Hasetan and God and you go, you know, how can that be? But, but in in the Jewish understanding, like the negative things happening, you know, it's 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 all intended. It's a picture of God orchestrating everything with the purpose of bringing people to righteousness in ways that don't always make sense to us at the time, but that we grow from. You know, so many seasons of my life that I look back on and I say, I learned so much, grew so much, benefited so much from that, wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yeah, yeah. Please know, hope I learned it all, <laughs> or at least everything that had to come from that, you know. But not just, I mean, what Job went through, and, and you have to understand that this is very much written 
it's written like a play. Okay, so this shouldn't be read as a history. Uh, I mean, there was no one taking notes at that meeting in heaven. Going, <laughs> you know, going, I'm, I'm sorry, God, could you repeat that? I didn't quite get that, you know. It, it's not a transcription of a heavenly court. It's, it's an expression of understanding of theology at this time. Good question. <laughs> there, there are some different ideas. Um, uh, you know, and, and I would love I would love for everybody to go and kind of do some I know there's different ideas. Let me let me look. I'm gonna see. Because I didn't make notes on that and I don't want to say the wrong things. So now I'm going to be very thankful for and when we were coming over, we were listening to teaching, and one of the verses God says, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it doesn't mean that He doesn't want us to, that He's saying, Oh, I'm so far above you that you can't reach me. But He's just saying, When you're thinking like you're thinking, you're not thinking like I'm thinking. But it is possible to think like I'm thinking, just use my word. Right, right. And, and it's, it's possible to just say, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Mm-hmm. Because that's Satan doesn't usually come with lies about how do I explain. How do I, I want to make sure I say this correctly. Satan is the father of lies. He lies, but the thing that he lies most about to God's children is he attempts to call into question and challenge the character of God. Mm-hmm. You know everything he said to Adam and Eve was accurate in the sense that God said after they ate, they have become like us, able to, to discern right, you know, able to tell right from wrong, um, you know, able to set their own standard and, and determine that for themselves. Therefore, I need to remove them from the garden lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever separated from me. Right. So, so yes, it was going to make them like God in that way. The problem was Satan presented it as God's so selfish he wants to keep right. this great thing from you and only to himself. And the truth was God knew it was not good for them to have it. Right. So, so it's, um, it's, it's, very, it's very important. This is why all the, when Hasetan was tempting Yeshua in the wilderness, you know, it says this and this and this. So... Do this. And Yeshua's answer was to come back with sound doctrine. You know, not to argue with him, not to debate, not to go, well, I'm not supposed to do that, but to say, actually, this is the truth. This is the truth. You know, it says he'll, he'll never, you know, you're hungry, you know, have him, have him turn the rocks into bread. And he's like, um, the picture of bread is about his word. Right. And, I am and I'm good. I am the word. I don't need rocks turned into bread. You know? Right. Right. So, okay, so this, now this is Wikipedia, but this fits with, you know, what, what I, the summary here, and, you know, there, there are um, footnotes for things. But Jewish tradition is that Moses wrote it. Um, but it says it's generally agreed by scholars that the book comes from the period between the 7th and 4th centuries BCE, which is a long time, um, with the 6th century as the most likely date for a variety of reasons. 
and and it isn't it's an anonymous it's an anonymous author even if tradition says Moses wrote it Moses there's no claim to authorship usually like we know the prophets in the first thing it says the word of the lord came to mm-hmm. and it says blue you know this guy that that guy whatever um so it's it's definitely uh and it and it is told it is told in the style of a parable um so generally it's 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 thought that there was a man named Job, you know, who his righteousness is why is is very probably why Canaan was preserved for so long. Um, did something like this actually happen to him? It would make sense that 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 would be the basis for a parable like this. Mm-hmm. It also might just be that there was a man named Job and nothing like this ever happened to him that anybody knows because it was written after his life and, and it was, but, but knowing he was a righteous man in Canaan, it was thought this would be a great setting for this teaching. Mm-hmm. Either way, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of like Jonah, either way, yeah. we, there's no video recording of it. You know, we can't, <laughs> we can't watch it. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable with it have happened exactly like this and it doesn't challenge my faith if it's just a fantastic teaching because it is. And, and I, I think that's, that's how, you know, I try to go to the scripture. What is God, you know, God allowed this to be included. What is he trying to teach me? What is he trying to show me? And I think I, I very much, it resonates with me that there's a purpose for the righteous and that the suffering of the righteous is not without not not cause, but not without purpose and benefit. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's a very great book. I, I I really believe you find the vast majority of bad theology doctrines centered here and coming from his friends. And and we'll get to it's called the whirlwind speech at the end where God comes in and is like, who do you all think you are? You know, <laughs> let me tell you a few things. You are all off. My servant did nothing. I am God. You know, and 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 calls them all out on the carpet. And and it is it is a beautiful, wonderful, dramatic. I mean, it's very dramatic. You know, you have these scenes. They're this, you know, this, you just kind of picture the court, heavenly court. And I didn't even know that part until you said it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's but it but it does express theological understanding from that period of time. So it's a great way to say this is Jewish thought about how heaven functions. This is Jewish thought about how the righteous are used in their in their time. And and for that I think it's I, I think it's fantastic because it is a way to interact with that that is um, not completely written in traditional Jewish teaching, you know, writings from the sages kind of setting, uh, because a lot of times Christians are very uncomfortable with reading that, and yet having read so much of that, I, I can see, okay, this is what they're expressing, right. this idea. Right. You know, and it makes it more... I don't want to say sense, but it resonates in your spirit more. Yeah. And not so much um, spookiness or Right. Well, because if you say to people, yeah, God holds court in heaven, mm-hmm. and, and people are like, what? What? You know? And, it's like, what do you think it came from down here? Yeah. It's like, you don't know. It's just, this is what's being pictured here. And so it kind of puts it in a context that makes us go, oh, okay, I can imagine that. And um, 
but it's it's very interesting. I really, as we get into it, um, and I, I kind of, I debated what starting it today because I thought it's kind of tragic to read about during Sukkot, and yet Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, and in a, you know, and I kind of, in thinking about it, if you look at how the beginning is set up in the timeline, there's a judgment day, then there's another judgment day, and then his friends come and sit with him for seven days. Oh, wow, that is you kind of see Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot being pictured, and it doesn't say it's those no, days, but... so much of the Bible was written like Right, right. So I thought it was really, I thought it would be a good thing to jump into, and looking at, at the, you know, the positive and the negative, and, and especially as we go into this year, where there will hopefully be many, many good things that happen to us, but yeah. there will no doubt be some tragic things that we encounter, and... Um, just preparing us for that and our outlook and the way we, you know, it doesn't mean that we have to go, woohoo, bad stuff's <laughs> happening, but to remind us in that moment, you know, there's a purpose for this. I don't understand it. I may never understand it because what is, what is part of the purpose of, of this book? We're being benefited. We're blessed by it so many generations later. And who would have thought, you know, and it may be that you're, you know, your descendants will think back to things that happen in your life that are told as as family stories. And I mean, how many generations are going to hear about what my mother did yeah. with the neighbor and how blessed they'll be and encouraged and reminded that that's something God values. And I teach your children as they sit. Right. Right. You got to teach them and you teach them when you make mistakes mm -hmm. by correcting and, and showing them and you teach them when you, you know, when you do right by them watching it. And, yeah. and so it's, I, I just think that it's, this has to be part of what we focus on and learn in order to do that. Yeah. yeah. Just the book of Enoch is not actually in the Bible. No, it is. Is it? Mm -hmm. Enoch? No, no, not Enoch, but Job. Oh yeah. Job okay, is. But is there a book that because you were saying some things that are not actually... The Apocrypha. Okay. Yeah. There's Jewish Apocrypha, and then there's Catholic Apocrypha okay. for the New and Old Testament. Okay. But the Jewish Apocrypha is where you find... It, it's just... It's the... It's non-canonical books, okay? okay? And the Jewish Apocrypha, is a, a lot of it is books that fall between when the end... You know, the end of um, Malachi, and then go to... Uh, you know, going forward in that history. Oh, that 400 years? Yeah. Okay. Where, where it, so the, the Maccabees, where mm -hmm. it talks right. about all of that. It, there's history. There's accurate history. So it's not that it was left out of the, the Jewish canon because it was deemed not accurate. Right. It's just that it was after everything had been, you know, yeah. canonized. And then these were extra things that came later. And so they're read, they're read in that way. You know, their histories, their, their other teachings. Um, when you get to the New Testament, the, the Apocrypha for that is, a lot of it is, you know, there weren't enough shards of this to even really figure out what it says, mm -hmm. but we've written down what was there. Yeah. How do you spell it? A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A. -A yeah. Um, yeah, you should get, you probably get it online. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's some interesting reading and it's really interesting because you have, you have to be careful when you're reading the stories because, um, 
Well, that, but it's also, there's a lot filled in. And so I don't know if you can find us. I, I can try and find it, see if there's a place where you can see like what's actually there versus what's been filled in. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the, the teaching about the relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Oh, that's not where, new well, it, in, it's, you find that in some of the apocryphal books are coming from the apocrypha, oh, okay. but there's like, there's, but there's one book and, and I forget which one it is, but where it says, and Jesus entered the room and kissed her on, we don't have the rest of, like, it's, that oh. was not there. Okay. So it's been filled in by some people, the mouth. Okay. Well, okay, you just made that up. Right. Right. <laughs> <You know>? It <laughs> could be kissed her on the cheek in a holy greeting. I mean, it could be, and it kissed her on the head like a daughter. I mean, we don't know what it says. And, and there's other verses in the canon that say, greet each other with a holy kiss. So it, it's not, why would we assume that he walked into the room and made out with Mary right. when... There are, are other oh, righteous kisses discussed. So that word in the book, would it be italicized? I don't know. That's what I'm. That I'm curious. I'm not sure. I've never actually read all of the apocrypha. I've read pieces of it, just another encountering in the, like where other ideas come from. And I think that's in. I think it is in the Gospel of Thomas that you find that one, but it might not be. There's some that are are more full books, mm-hmm. um, and then there are some that are. So is Enoch actually in that one, or is that a separate? No, it, Enoch would be, Seven. should be in that one. It should be in there? Yeah. Uh, the other one, um, Jashir, Jashir, Y-A-S-H-E-R, Jashir. Jashir? I'm not sure. Okay. I'd have to look. I'd have to look. But if you do start reading, tell, you have to tell me what you find okay. and that if, if you enjoy. I mean, it can make entertaining reading. It's just not where I'd pull my theology, oh. you know? <laughs> so on that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you. And may he grant you peace in this coming week. And restoration and healing and all of the things that he grants. Amen. Amen.